All right, man, it's good to see everybody today. Um, man, I'll be honest, like this weather energizes me to a degree. Uh, Caleb had a birthday party last night, and I went and picked him up, and, and I was in sandals, and they were like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, man, this is perfect. This is ideal stuff for me, so super grateful for the weather. Uh, we are kind of in between, we wrapped up a series last week called Conversations. A lot of fun. If you missed that, go back and listen, um, just kind of looking at times in which people talk to Jesus and he talked to them back and seeing what we learned from that. Uh, a lot of great gospel conversations came out of that. And so we're kind of in between. Next week, we're going to, um, even while we're gone, we're going to kind of kick off a walk through First John, which should be a, a lot of fun. You should love it anyway. Bad Bible humor. Um, Sorry, First John's a lot about love, so you'll, you'll get that in the next couple of weeks. So today, like I was, at the beginning of the week, I, I plan long term for like series and things like that, but I know that in between, like I, I, I kind of expect like, you know, God, you're going to come through, you're going to show us something that we need to hear. And so was just kind of praying through earlier this week and trying to, you know, just kind of ask God, God, what, what do you want us to hear? And God just kind of placed this particular passage on my heart, and I kind of have to confess a little bit, like I, I don't know why. Because there's some, there, it's a great passage, I love it, we're going to look at the book of Jude and kind of like the whole book of Jude in a quick synopsis, but we're going to focus on the last few verses. Uh, but in this particular place, it would be a great warning if there are some things going on in the church right now, but like I don't know of these things going on. If they are, man, this is a word, we need to hear it. So they, it but it could also be preparing us for down the road. I hope this stuff's not going on, but uh, maybe we need to hear it. But also, it is kind of to the church, but it's also to us as individuals. So I would be naive to think that some of this might not be occurring on an individual basis for some of us. Um, to give you a kind of a brief introduction, the letter of Jude is the last book before the book of Revelation that we see in the New Testament, uh, written by a guy not named Jude, but Judas, actually, not Judas Iscariot, uh, but Judas, the brother of Jesus, like James. And so if you want to call him a half-brother, that's great. Different dad. Um, you know, God, the father of Jesus. Joseph was the father of James and, and Judas and a couple other kids, too. Um, and so very similar. And so we don't see him referenced a whole lot, but obviously he, he grew up with Jesus. He followed Jesus. He, he learned a lot. Maybe he knew him better than uh, the 12 did. And so uh, he writes this letter. And so when we're looking in the New Testament, most of the time we're looking at an epistle and we can kind of put our finger on to whom it's being written and why and all that stuff. The book of Jude is a little bit different. Uh, we know probably written mid-60s. Um, that's not the 1960s. That's the original 60s. Um, written sometime and then and, and kind of to just the early church Jewish believers, and he's just kind of warning them. He's warning them based on some things that the apostles taught, and they were currently teaching in Jerusalem, and as they were spreading out, but he's just kind of giving them a warning. In the very beginning of Jude, this is not going to be on the screen, after he introduces himself, he basically says why he's writing this letter, which is pretty clear. So in verse 1 of the only chapter, chapter 1, it says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to whom are called, beloved in God, the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. And here's his introduction. He says, Beloved, are those whom we love, although I was very eager to write to you about the common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the fate that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept, into, crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And so basically he said, look, I wanted to write to you and just sing about the glory of the gospel. I wanted to shout it from the rooftops. That's what I wanted to talk about. But I have been impressed upon by the Holy Spirit uh, to write to you about this. There are some people that have come in and are coming in that have taken the beauty of the gospel and they have twisted it. 
And not only have they twisted it, but they've, they've told you that certain things are okay, and they're not. They have perverted the truth. And so this entire book is basically about that. He's like, look, I want you to be steadfast. I want you to labor. I want you to contend or fight for and with the faith because there are people there that are fighting in opposition to you. They're amongst you now. And so everything from there until the passage that we're going to look at, starting in verse 17, uh, because it's a Jewish audience, he's talking to them and kind of relating it back to Old Testament ideologies, and he's just telling them, look, this is the way it occurred in the Old Testament. You have people telling you that it's okay to do this and that. It's contrary to what you've heard from the gospel and uh, from the apostles, but let me tell you, uh, let's look at the Old Testament at what happened when people were blatantly disobedient, and then he just lists several things. Like, he lists the angels. He starts with those. He's like, let's look at the angels. What happened? when they rebelled against God? Well, he cast them out and he locked them up. Uh, Let's look at Sodom and Gomorrah. When they rebelled and they went against what God desired, well, they they got destroyed as a reminder that we too can be destroyed. And so, you know, some pretty graphic illustrations for Jewish believers. They would have heard it and they would have been like, oh yeah, I remember that. I probably shouldn't mess up. I'm really scared now. You know, I don't want to be a smoldering pile of ash on the ground. And so that's that's kind of the, the emotion that would have been evoked. And so for us, we're going to start in verse 17. Uh, We're going to read 17 through 23. Um, And in this passage, I'll go ahead and tell you before we read it, uh, there's going to be like three things that are there in, in even these short verses. Number one, there's going to be a warning. Number two, there's going to be a solution. And number three, there's going to be a mission. Okay? Normally, I don't give three points. It's not, it's not in me. That's not the way I learn. It's normally not the way I teach, but, but they're, they're just there. There's a warning, there's a solution, and there's a mission. And that mission is, is in the context of the big mission, but so it's kind of like a, a submission in the context of what's going on. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read these verses, and we're just going to talk through it this morning. And uh, I, I do believe that there's a reason that we're hearing this passage today, so um, let's trust in that. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you speak. God, we thank you that you are not a master clockmaker who just made a clock, wound it up, and, and stepped back. Um, God, we're, we're grateful that you are a God that constantly is, uh, through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, interceding on our behalf, working together all things for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Uh, thank you. Pray for ears to hear and a heart to receive uh, what you desire to tell us. Thank you for making something so beautiful as your church that could even be more beautiful. Continue to refine us, continue to direct us and shape us and make us into the bride that you desire for the groom. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Here we go. Verse 17. This will be up on the screen. We're going to shift to a different translation in the middle, but right now we're going to be in the ESV. We'll, we'll shift in a minute, and I'll kind of give you a warning. It says, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers, following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit... Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy without fear, hating even the garment 
stained by the flesh. And so in this whole passage, again, he gives kind of a warning, he gives a solution, he gives a mission. In those first couple verses, he says, but I want you to remember, going back to verse 17, just those first few through 19, he says, but you must remember, beloved, the prediction of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. And so basically, he's like, look, the warning was given to you, I'm giving it to you again. Uh, There will be people, they may already be in your midst, but there will be people that will be against the gospel that you have clung to. We don't use the word scoffers a lot anymore. Like in jest, you know, it's like I scoff. But, you know, a scoffer is someone who basically is looking at an idea that you hold true, and they're like, "Mm, that's not true. That's just, that's ridiculous. And he's like, look, there are going to be people that are going to be among you, and and they're going to be against what you believe. And he's already laid out for them. He's like, look, the reason I wanted to write this, this letter to you was to sing the praises of the gospel. So the gospel is already there. He's like, look, there are going to be people that just don't believe that. And not only do they not believe it, they're not just in opposition of it because a scoffer goes beyond just being opposed to an idea. They disbelieve and they want you to disbelieve too. They want to bring you along to their side. He's like, look, these people will be among you or they're among you already. You've been warned before. I'm warning you again. They'll be there. And then he gives like an idea as to what they do. He's like, you know, they follow their ungodly passions. But in verse 19, he says, it is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. And so he's warning them. He's like, look, in the church, like in the congregation of people, like they didn't gather like this most likely. It was probably a bunch of houses where they would gather, and they probably did gather on the same day, but throughout the city. Um, And, you know, but he said, look, among you, people have crept in, or they will. And they're not going to believe, and they don't want you to believe either. And so they're going to do everything they can to divide you, to call you, to separate you, to split you. They will cause division, um, and this is one way they'll do it. They'll say, look, follow the passions that I follow. The book of Philippians, uh, it says that uh, these types of people, that their belly is their God. And it doesn't mean that food was their God, but it meant that they followed their own appetite. Whatever they wanted, that was their God. Their appetite, their desires, that was their God. He's like, these people will be against what you believe, and they're going to want to bring you to their side. Like for us, I think um, we need to hear the warning, because I think this is one thing that we're going to see. This is not prophetic or anything. I think it's just common knowledge. Probably over the next six to eight months, not just for our church, but for the churches in the United States, due to what we've experienced, a large majority of our churches, six, eight months down the road, they're going to look very, very different. Just by the nature of, of COVID and corona and, and all the other things that we've been experiencing, even the election, all of this stuff, our churches are going to look very, very different. God has blessed us with new faces over the past 8 to 12 weeks or, or 16 weeks. We've seen new people come in that we did not know before. They've come in. Uh, they haven't even been able to sit with all of the people of origins yet because all of our people are just scattered in different places right now, and that's okay. Um, but over the next eight months, this church is going to look very, very different. And it's very possible that a new face could come in, or new faces, and they could be this. And I'm not trying to get you to be leery of all people. Like, that's not my goal. But I'm saying it's very possible that this could occur. Like, there could be people that sneak in with, you know, that seemingly have good intentions. Now, I'll tell you, like, as leadership, Neil's outside with his boys, but uh, myself and John and and Ashley um, and, and Neil, like, collectively, I promise, like, we're on the lookout for those people. Like, we're not expecting that every day a, a wolf in sheep's clothing is going to walk in, but part of our charge as leadership, that, that's one thing that we do. Like, we want to shepherd the flock, and in one way in which we do that is protect the flock um, from people that have come in to divide and to cut and to hurt and to harm. 
And part of our job as pastors and as elders and leaders is when we see that, to be honest, in love, we say, you need to go because the body is more important than your division. And so we haven't had to do that, okay? But we're on the lookout for that. But in our lives as individuals, it's very possible now with relationships, the way that they are changing, it's very possible that someone can enter your relational circle and this is their desire. This is their desire. They see the gospel that you cling to, the hope that you proclaim, the Jesus that you call and, and cling to, and, and they'll tell you, I don't believe in that, and I don't, I don't want you to believe in that. And it could be clear, or it could be tricky. Like clear, like Jude, even the verse before this, uh, in verse 16, this passage, he says, these are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud mouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. They could look like that. I mean, they could be all of those things. You know, they could come in just, you know, just in your life and saying, look, all of those things you believe, they are just wrong. They're dumb. You are unintelligent for choosing this Jesus. You're ridiculous. They could claim science. They could claim any of these things. They could be just very obvious, a scoffer. They could be one of those. Um, but I, th- I think those are easy to spot. Those are easy to separate from. But the ones that are, are more difficult are the ones that come in and they're a bit more subversive and a bit more tricky. And they're the ones that... Everything looks fine, but the message may sound more like, yes, I hear that you follow Jesus, and that's great, but, you know, all of those, all those things, those rules, do you, really have to, do you really have to keep those? You know, and it's just the, the little trickiness. Like, if we look at the temptation of Jesus when, when he went up by himself for 40 days, and we see Satan kind of trying to, to pull him away and pull him off course, he was using Scripture to do that. He was, he was quoting Scripture to Jesus. Like, he was saying truthful things, but he, again, perverting and twisting, the very same thing that Jude is warning against. He's like, man, they will come at you with truth just from a slightly different perspective. And those are the ones that we have to be careful for, the ones that are just, man, just slightly off, just enough. Because remember, the goal of a scoffer is, I don't believe, and I don't want you to believe either. I want you to believe like I do, not like you do. And so it may be something as simple as Um, which is super prominent in in the church right now. Like it may be, hey, you know, sexual sin back then is different than sexual sin now. I mean, that's just a very, I mean, that's an obvious little thing, just a a quick little nip there. Just, yeah, what they meant and what we mean now, they're, you know, they're two different things. That was cultural. This, you know, God's moved beyond that and can make a very valid argument. But the problem is God hasn't moved on from truth. God is efficacious. He does not change, nor do his ways change. And so if someone's trying to twist and say, oh, truth has changed, that's a good warning that something's not right. It's the tricky ones that we need to be careful of. Um, and, and maybe even come at us from an angle of, uh, an intellectual angle of saying, yeah, 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 Jesus was a great teacher. He said some really good things. We should definitely listen but was he really God? I don't know. A few weeks ago, I was having a, um, no, I won't talk about that. that would, never mind. Um, it could just be really tricky. Really, that was one of the examples that popped in my head, and I, I'm not going to use it. So anyway, um, you're welcome. So here's the thing that we'll see about these folks, and I, I think, and I, I hate to say these folks, but in relation to what we're doing, like we are trying to grow the kingdom, we are trying to be refined by Jesus, we do. We have to, we have to be cognizant. We have to look. Um, because a little leaven does ruin a whole, you know, lump. That's, that's, that's in Scripture. It's honest. Um, I think we, we can look and we can ask, uh, what's the mission of this person? 
Like, we need to ask that about ourselves very frequently. Like, what's the mission of me? Like, what is my mission? And to be honest, my mission should be the mission that Jesus had that existed before me. I should be on the same page with him. And if the mission is different, then there is a problem. There's a disconnect. If the mission is their belly or their desires, their passions, that's their life dream, their life call. That is what drives them and directs them, and they're trying to pull you along into that same mentality. That's a, that's a pretty big red flag. And so we need to be on, on the lookout. He said, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly desires. It is those who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. And I think even then, it's okay. We're not set to judge, and we're not set to decide who does and does not inherit the kingdom of God. But God does also tell us that we will know them by their fruits. That you will be known, we will be known, the us will be known by our fruits. And if someone is trying to pull you and entice you away, and there are no fruits that are evident and visible... We need to be mature enough to say, I need to separate myself from this now. So there will be those. That's the warning. That's the warning. Um, and I think the, the goal of that, and Satan is going to use that, he does want to divide and separate and just split. Because when the church is at its best is when the church is unified in mission, in pursuit, in love. When that is going on, man, God's going to use it greatly. But when something can come in and split us and send us in different directions... And Satan's going to claim victory on that, and we're going to be far less effective. So there's the warning. The solution. Solution. I love clear solutions in Scripture. Go ahead and throw up the, uh, the, the other translation there. In the New Living Translation, it says, But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. So he's basically telling us uh, three things right here, just three quick things. The first thing is this. Uh, here's the solution. Number one, we need to build, it, build one another up. Like, we need to be about this business of making sure that it's not just about my progression or maturation in the faith, but it's about our progression and our maturation in the faith. Like, all of us, the us, the we, the family, the community. And so we actually need to be interested in, in how my brother and how my sister is following Jesus. Like, we have taken this life of Jesus and made it so incredibly private, and we've made it so incredibly personal that I, I do believe that sometimes we have told the Spirit, you cannot enter into this place because this is mine. God didn't intend to call a bunch of individuals. No, he came to redeem a people unto himself, not a bunch of little persons. Like he came to make a family, a community, like he's building the kingdom, and a kingdom consists of multiple people. And so we've made our faith so private that we've, been, we've become afraid to, to intercede on the behalf of our brothers and sisters in prayer. We've become afraid to actually intercede with word and with deed, but we have to. Like the solution of all of this to keep division from occurring is we promote unity by building one another up. We need to be interested in the spiritual progression of our brothers and sisters, even those that are more mature than us, even those that are less mature than us, even those that are right on about the same plane. We need to be interested and concerned. Build one another up. And so the way that we build one another up, the, the first, I think Scripture is going to, to attest to this, is that we, we meet together. We do not neglect to meet together. And I know that's difficult right now. Like, if you're on camera, I'm not, I'm not coming after you right now. I get it. I understand. There are multiple valid reasons for not being here right now. I get it. We're okay with that. If you haven't felt good about coming back in community groups yet, I'm okay with that. I get it. I know there are a lot of unknowns right now. We're good, but yet we can still be together, be unified, whether it's via text, whether it's via phone calls, whether it's via, you know, just... You know, something like that. I know people do actually talk on the phone still these days, which is crazy. It, it happens. Some people may even have landlines now, and that's okay. 
You know, use them. Talk to each other. Be unified. Like if we cannot be together bodily, be together relationally. Like figure that out. We need to be together, like meet together physically or otherwise. The second is that we need to learn together. Like we need, this is important. Like I think of anything that we have learned, uh, for me at least, anything uh, I've learned is as valuable as this is that, man, the gathering together to learn together is, man, it is so incredibly valuable. Like, worship is beautiful. We need that. But we also need to have time to circle the wagons and make sure we're on the same page about important ideas, about, man, who God is, who Jesus is, what he has done, how he desires to use us, what this city desperately needs, the gospel, and how we go after that. We must learn together to be on the same page. Unity versus division. One way we do that is we gather and we listen to the same teaching, not just mine, but others, and even in community groups, same idea. We gather together. We learn together. Man, the third is that that we serve together. I think if you want to build, like if anybody's listening and they want to plant a church, man, if you do these three things under the arch of the gospel, the umbrella of the gospel, you meet together, you learn together, you serve together, you're going to be good. You're going to be good. Meet together, learn together, serve together. We do that, man, we're loving God, we're loving one another, we're loving the city. And in the process, disciples are being made. That's everything we're after, right there. If we do that, we will be unified. No one will come in and try to cut us apart even if they're tricky. And then I think in the process of all of that, we grow together, but but he also throws this line in there too of just, man, and pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's probably the overarching idea to all of those things. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. We need to be equipped by the Holy Spirit. We need to be inviting him into every single bit of it. Saying, God, through your spirit, teach me. God, through your spirit, gather us. God, through your spirit, equip us to serve. God, through your spirit, just make us who you want us to be in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in contrast in the power of self. And because that's the other lie that will come in too. The other little tricky lie is that, hey, you are capable. You're good enough. You're smart enough. And doggone it, people like you. That's Saturday Night Live. But either way, same idea. There's this humanistic little thing that that weaves this way into the evangelical church that makes us believe that we're good enough. But here's the point. We're not. That's the whole reason Jesus came, because we're not good enough, but he is. And the Holy Spirit wants to make us acceptable through the work and the righteousness of Jesus. We're not good enough. But we're made acceptable by Jesus, who was. So we do it all with the Holy Spirit, praying and trusting in him and trusting in Jesus. Um, if we're doing those things, man, we're going to be safe. Like it even says that. Like if you, and await the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life and you will find safety. And here's the, here's the third thing. We had the warning, we had the solution, and, and here's the, the realistic idea of the mission among, in the, kind of even hidden in the main mission. Verse 22, it says, And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Uh, to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by flesh. Here's the reality. We can work very hard. We can be very diligent. We can gather together. We can learn together. We can serve together. We can do all those things. Um, But these scoffers will still find a way to affect people. They will. Maybe they're not in the midst here. Maybe they're in someone's workplace. Maybe they're in someone's neighborhood. Maybe they're in someone's family. They will still affect people. And the first seed that they will sow is the seed of doubt. And so the first thing here in this mission amongst the mission is it says, uh, some will doubt. Show them mercy. Show mercy to those who doubt. 
And so when, when someone is being led kind of off the path by one of these, one of these people that's coming to divide, our first, our first thing is, man, we're not going to bust them. We're not going to crush them. Uh, we're not going to destroy them. No, we're going to display what Jesus displays, which is mercy. We're not going to give them what they deserve. Instead, we're going to show grace, give them what they need, and we're going to say, look, I love you. Um, let, let's have a real conversation. Let's talk about what you're hearing. Listen to them. Hear them. Hear their doubts. It's okay to confess doubt. It's, man, it's, it's incredibly healthy to confess doubt. What's unhealthy is to keep doubt in here and say, if I just don't talk about it, it's going to go away. It doesn't work either. So let them speak. Hear their doubts. And then share truth. And if you don't have the truth to share amidst their doubt, go to someone who does. Take them to someone who's more mature. You know, go to, go to your community group leader and say, look, I, I don't know how to answer these problems. I, I don't understand. Would you come with me? Sure, they'll go with you. I know every one of them. Love them all. They'll do it. They all, I think they all, with the exception of two, like coffee. So just say, hey, let's, let's grab coffee. And those two are weird people. No, I'm kidding. They're not weird. Just invite them. Say, look, I, I, I want to hear what you have to say, but, but also just I love you enough that I want to share ultimate truth with you too. I want to hear your doubts. Bring them in. Some will doubt mercy and kindness to them, uh, love. And then, man, again, that same Holy Spirit declaration we have just the passage before, man, do it all with the help of the Holy Spirit. Because, again, we don't, we don't have all this stuff. I, I mean, I think it's amazing, and not just anecdotally, but I think uh, confirming and affirming of Scripture how many times that the words we did not have, but they still came out of our mouth, and they were right. And that's when we're just trusting, hey, God, I don't know what to say, but you speak. Doesn't mean we don't prepare, doesn't mean we don't learn, we do all those things, but man, we also trust God that sometimes God's just going to supernaturally intervene and it's going to come out of our mouths, and that's crazy talk, I mean, to even think about. So the first is some will doubt, meet them with mercy and kindness, love them, pray to seek to help uh, show them truth. Second group of people, man, some are in immediate danger. Some are in just like immediate danger. And it gives a very valid, a very descriptive illustration. It says, uh, save others by snatching them out of the fire. Like some of the people, they're in the frying pan like now. They've been led so far off course that they are, they're throwing their life away. And so for them, yes, mercy's still there, but for them, there's, a, there's probably a little more firm hand involved. Still done out of love, uh, and I think the modern world will tell us, well, that's none of your business. Well, to be honest, that's a lie too. The family is the family's business. If someone is going off the rails, man, it is our job, it is our responsibility, it is our loving duty as brothers and sisters to get them back on the rails. And that, you probably can't do that by yourself. You probably need more than one person. Uh, if, it's, if it's egregious sin, man, Scripture gives us a, a, a way to do that. We go to them, we say, hey, I see what you're doing, I love you enough to tell you that it's wrong. And if they're unwilling to repent, we go back, we grab somebody else, and we go to them again. We say, look, we see what you're doing. We love you enough to tell you that this is not the way that God desires for you to live. Please come back into family. Then if they choose not to, then the church gets involved. But hey, man, there's a means, there's an operation, there's a reason. The reason is that God does not desire to leave us alone. He does not desire for us to wallow in sin. He does not desire for us to be led away from family. And so if someone is in the frying pan, we pull them out. We figure out what that looks like. And that means, yes, we get in somebody's business. And, and I'll be honest, like if you're here and you don't want that to happen, I apologize. But if you're going off the rails, we're going to grab you because we love you. We do not want that to happen. We do not want it to happen. And then here, here are the third. The third category is almost like, yes, something else to do, but it's also a warning for us. And it says, 
after saving others by snatching them out of the fire. The third category is it says, to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by flesh. And so what that's basically talking about is someone is so entrapped in sin that it could actually be dangerous for us to go after them. It doesn't say that we do not, but it says use caution. Galatians 6 tells us that you who are mature seek to restore. So if you are an infant Christian, that's okay. Infants grow up. Seek to grow up. But maybe you're not the best one to go after somebody who's trapped in sin. Because it says you need to be afraid of even the clothes that are stained by sin. Understand that, that you could get stains transferred to you if you're not ready to do that. So you need to have caution. We show mercy to them. We understand that they're in a place they don't need to be. Uh, We want them to get out, but we need to be careful. We need to be careful. I wouldn't go as far as to say that sin is contagious, but I would say that sin is very tricky. And when we're in each other's lives, man, we're going to be neck deep in it sometimes. I mean, it's just just part of it. Um, And so we have to exercise great caution. And that's one of the times in which uh, you're not gossiping, okay, you're going to someone who's more mature and you say, hey, this guy, this girl, here's what's going on. Um, I don't want to talk about them behind their back, but I love their soul and I don't want to see it destroyed. What do we do? What do we do? Because after all, this is the goal of the enemy. The goal of the enemy is to take us down, to take us out, to take us away. If you don't believe it, you're not paying attention. Satan does not want the gospel of Jesus to be heard by another person. Doesn't want a single person to hear of the redeeming love of Jesus. Not one. And he'll come at us with everything he's got. If you don't believe that the war is spiritual, we're not paying attention. But here, Jude's saying, look, they're going to come. They may even be in your midst now. Be ready and just, just do what you need to do. Don't let them divide you. And when someone goes, go get them back. I love that song that we just sang about Jesus going after the one. Just the one. That's, and the reason it says reckless in that song, I know it's created a lot of contention, but to, from our perspective, that is a reckless kind of love. It's not reckless to God. It's very perfect and it's flawless. But from man's perspective, that's crazy to leave the 99 to go after one. But hey, we're called to do the exact same thing. Called to do the exact same thing with the same heart of Jesus. If one is straying, we bring them back. I think maybe for nothing else, maybe during this, this time of just, you know, just weirdness, just odd times, like uh, maybe, maybe this is what we need to hear right now. Maybe we have family. Um, they're not here because they don't fear, because they fear COVID. They're not here because they're somewhere else, emotionally and spiritually. Maybe here's what we need to hear. We need to go get them back. Go get them back. If someone is off the reservation, we need to know, and we need to bring them back. We love their soul enough not to let them wander. We need to bring them back into the family. I don't know this passage why today. Um, I do know this, though. Like all of this, why? Uh, Jesus is worthy. Bottom line. Jesus is worthy. Mission's worth it. Kingdom must grow. His name must be great. We do what we have to do. Short of sin, we do what we have to do short of sin to ensure that that happens. That's our role. That's our responsibility. Every single one of us redeemed by Jesus. If you're struggling with that, man, if you feel like you are in the midst of that right now and we don't know about it, we would like to. 
Um, we would love to love you in the midst of this. We would, if, if you are being confronted with doubt, man, tell someone, tell your community group leader, tell one of us, tell, tell whomever in here, but tell someone, let us talk. Uh, if you have someone in your life right now that is just off, they are gone, and you need help bringing them back, talk to us. Let us know. Again, family fights for family. We will do that. As messy as it may get, we'll do it. Um, but just make sure we speak. Make sure we take full advantage of the relationship. I'm going to pray and uh, give a couple announcements and we'll be out. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. God, we thank you that Jesus is worthy. Uh, we thank you, God, that uh, even, even though in spite of warnings that there will be people that will come and try to divide us, you have already equipped us to resist. You've already given us family. You've already given us the Holy Spirit. You've already given us the truth that rests in Scripture. Um, God, I pray that we would utilize all of those things. And God, I even pray that we'd be able to show mercy to the person that is trying to divide us. While we can't let them hang out and affect all of us, God, we can still pray for their soul as well. And Father, we pray that you would hear it. God, we, we do pray for those that right now in our midst, maybe they're here, maybe they're not. They're, just, they're being just assaulted with doubt. Um, maybe, Father, they are, they're just way off. And Father, they are trapped in sin and they feel like there's no way out. Father, I pray that we would know. I pray that we would go after them. I pray that we would pull them back. And I pray that we would love them uh, like you love them. God, thank you for giving us a mission that's more important than our name, that's more important than our, our, even our individual little pocket of this world. God, it's of eternal consequence. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for uh, guiding us. And God, I pray that you continue just to push us. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.